You're listening to an encore presentation of Manson Mitchell. Twenty dreams, cupcake. TGIF. It's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday, TGIF, as we like to say. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. We got a guy there on Zoom that's got a cattail up his nose. That's kind of cute. That must be our buddy, Von Brashler. We'll be introducing him momentarily. You looked away, <laughs> Suzanne. He had his ring-tailed cat. He had his tail right up, tickling his nose. That was great. But when you get to see, there we go. I think he's attempting it again. And that, well, heck, we would be remiss if we didn't say hello and offer our gratitude for his continuing service to the cause. We're talking about bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you? Very well. uh, Doing very well. And I was actually looking around, too. Do I have a cat in my room, too? I didn't think that was me. Usually you you pitch it to me right away, but I was double checking. (laughs) Your your cat is on your upper lip. Yes. Whoa. (laughs) Oh, where's my rim shot when I need it? Oh, wait. Hey. <laughs> so oh, Jesus. <laughs> Benny, are you getting are you getting psyched? Are you getting cranked up for the All-Star game, which this year is in Seattle? Yes, that's very true. It's been all week, the ramp up, and even last week, uh, festivities start tomorrow. And what's really, really cool about it is, like, we haven't seen this in, uh, let's see, almost over 20 years. I think 2001 was the last time the All-Star game was held in Seattle. And it's going to pull in about $50 million for the old city. So that's good. You know, I... I like to be a believer in destiny, and I'm glad that that money's going to flow into Seattle. Mm-hmm. That's always always good news. Yeah. And um, I remember 2001. I was around. I remember that. If there was a year in which you wanted to host the All-Star Game and go on to World Series glory, that would have been the year. With that, they had a roster that was like, you can't even believe. I don't know how many teams, possibly the Yankees, there would be able to put together a roster like that in 2023. Oh, it was unbelievable. We expected so much, and we did a little bit here and there, but kind of fell short a few times, but we won't get into the records from Seattle. We're still looking for uh, our first dance trip. So maybe that's this year. Oh, I would love that. Oh, I would love we to would see go, that happen. Yeah, we would go berserk. <laughs> Suzanne and I went through the sheer hell. They're ultimately victorious. We were delighted. We were thrilled. Oh, my God. And, and I'm a guy who is, is not from Chicago originally, But in 2016, when the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, there was over a century of expectation. 108 years. It was given the butterfly release of at last. Right. They did it. And they did it in the most excruciating manner. (laughs) I believe it was uh, seven games, of course, but I think it took extra innings. And they had Don Chapman coming in to pitch more than he usually does. Fireballer. And, you know, he's only got so much gas in that tank of his. And somehow it worked out. Couldn't believe it. I say this by way of happy reminiscence. But also, let me tell you, if the Seattle Mariners make it to the World Series, I would rejoice. But please, don't put me through that hell again. <laughs> I, that was that World Series, really, that took a lot out of people, including us. Yeah, well, even last year, going to the playoffs was such a big deal. And we were just on pins and needles the whole time. In fact, I stopped watching other games that day in order to go back to the Mariners because it was so tight. And um, yeah, we just fell a little short, but we have a great squad and they're very young, which is nice. And uh, they're all gelling together. 
Good to hear. If they're the dark horse this year, I am for them. Seattle M's, fantastic. Today, Suzanne, we have Vaughn Brashler with us, and we're going to talk about lucid dreaming, which I think not only is of interest to a majority of people on the planet, and I asked around there, but people love that, in addition to which it has deep roots in uh, human civilization. You can go back to the Aborigines, et cetera, et cetera. Lucid dreaming has a spiritual dimension to it that still captivates people today. Yes, it does. Von Brashler is a lifetime member of the International Theosophical Society with headquarters in India. He is the author of several books on consciousness development and a student of yoga. He has led workshops throughout the U.S. and the U.K., and appeared on television and many radio shows. He lives in a cabin on a small island in the San Juans near Anacortes, Washington. And we are talking about lucid dreamings as part of a series about ancient wisdom. So welcome once again to Manson Mitchell von Brashler. Good morning. Thank you, Suzanne and Gary. Good to be with you. The last scroll that we talked about, which is the form that this comes in, in the Ancient Wisdom series, we had talked about past lives. This is the scroll work on lucid dreams in however many scrolls there are going to be in this series. And it actually comes with wooden scrolls, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Gary and I have read every word of the scroll from the first to the last unrolling of it. and. There were several things in there that really, really caught my attention. Uh, one answered a question for me that I have had since I was a young person, probably a teenager beginning to explore the world. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But what was it about lucid dreams that made you decide you were going to take this one on? Well, dreams have always fascinated me, Suzanne. I, I uh, er, not early on, but as an adult, I had my first uh, conscious lucid dream. I do think that many people have inadvertent dreams that are lucid and vivid, and they just don't don't know what to make of them. I know that that you and, and and Gary as well have had them, and I hope we can get into discussing that. But in my case, I was living on Mount Hood in, in, in Oregon at the time. And um, I was um, starting to read a lot about yoga and, and consciousness and uh, hypnosis and, uh, you know, and I, in the ancient wisdom tradition in general. Uh, and I, I remember I, I, I fell back on my bed as I often do. <laughs> and I just, you know, just, just fell backwards but I hit my my spine in such a way that my spirit, I swear, came out of my body. Mm. And it, it, it actually hovered above me in the room. I looked down at my body and I looked up at the ceiling and I, I thought, huh, it seems like I can move around. I was fascinated. And I just, I floated through the ceiling. I looked down at the roof, thought, huh. That's what the roof looks like, but I don't clean clean it off. <laughs> it's like, okay. So then I floated above the trees, big, tall Douglas fir trees up there in Oregon, into the night sky. And I looked up at the stars and I said, I, I, I don't know how to do this. And suddenly I, I thought, I should get back my body. And, and as, as all people who become 
good at dream work eventually learn you just think about your body boom you're back there's no worry it's easy to get back and i was back and then i thought oh my gosh how do i do this again with control and direction and that became uh, something that really fascinated me and i began to really work at it and i'm not the first i mean it goes back thousands of years as you said that people were were actually uh, developing their dreams and exploring in their dreams what's often called dream work and it goes back at least 3000 bc to the uh, mesopotamians the sumerians the egyptians a lot of people seriously worked at developing their dreams to explore and learn what you describe sounds like something that I have heard referred to before as astral travel as opposed to dream work. But I, I know from uh, reading your book that you talk about subtle energy bodies. Yeah. And so while your physical body was in one place, one of your energetic bodies may not have been so even though our our listenership is pretty well attuned to this kind of information i'd still like to have you talk about those subtle energy yeah. bodies well i've you know I've, I've deeply studied yoga uh and uh i've been influenced by samadhi mystics who actually teach their young how to control their dreams and they teach them how to leave their bodies and they teach them how to relieve their uh, leave their bodies in a way that transcends time and space and as a first step in actually doing what, what you've basically described as astral travel i've also been influenced by a study of shamanism where dream walkers and spirit walkers would go into an induced trance very similar to that of the samadhi mystics in their meditations and they would leave their bodies experiencing a different sense of time and space where they would visit ancestors and they would go forward into the future to see what the future holds for people. So I, I early on saw lucid dreaming as leaving the body. And, and I'm not alone in this. I mean, I see that in my study of the ancients, their dream work involved the concept that the soul uh, leaves the body during sleep state leaves the physical body so while we, we can think of like astral projection is something that you consciously do during waking hours it can be done during during sleep during a dream you know it is the sense that the inner spirit your your consciousness that dwells within you uh is 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 released and leaves the body now in in the sense that people do do uh astral travel you think well they're you know it's their astral body and, and it's true that your astral body then would leave leave the body during a lucid dream but we also have the sense that there are other subtle energy bodies other than the astral or emotional body there is the mental body there is the causal body there's the buddhic body uh, you know, there are the spirit bodies, you know, the Atma. So there are many uh, subtle energy bodies that more or less kind of like a luminous uh, egg uh, uh, um, are provide outer 
outer lining or outer uh, rims of energy to the the inner core which we call our physical self so when the when the spirit or inner consciousness or soul if you will leaves the physical body uh in a lucid dream and i think i think we we, we really need to say that there's only one way that people do lucid dreaming to my mind's eye and that is that you leave the body you know other dreams are dreams inside your physical head there are dreams in your physical uh, uh, memory bank they are memories and and conjectures and analysis uh to explore ideas that have have uh fixated you during your waking hours these are stress dreams for the most part sometimes they're nightmares they're sometimes reliving or going over things but a lucid dream is one where the spirit leaves the body and explores and and and, and this is true uh even in 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 early india uh, uh where we see the soul departing the body uh it, it's true in china you know it's true in in ancient greece where hippocrates said that the images uh, uh leave uh during the night during the dream state um it, it is true of, of of many people that have actually uh tried to develop um dream work now now to say that it is like astral travel is extremely accurate but I think it also should be said that if you're going to go to a, a, in a dream and it's cast kind of in a yellow haze, it's 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 an indication that you've gone to a mental plane, or that you're you're primarily focusing with your mental body, because there are many many uh, and and our consciousness, our consciousness or our energy uh, resides on all of these subtle energy body levels not only resides there energizing them uh, but imbues them with a, a special signature energy signature that would correspond to a a a plane of reality that would be other than the the physical plane i find that very intriguing to say the least von you know you talk about a signature I have heard it said many years ago, I was told that when we cross over, okay, which is good news, if we actually cross over, that means our consciousness and sense of personal identity have survived the death of our bodies. So there's that to look forward to. But if that is true, this signature seems to indicate that, as Emerson indicated, and I'm paraphrasing, mm -hmm. we all display our rank, whether we want to or not. On the other side of life, in other words, mm -hmm. we are known by who we are and who we were. And there's no sense trying to fool anybody because when you're in that frequency, people will see you much more clearly than we do on earth when quite often people try to pretend they're something they're not. Exactly. exactly. Well said, Carrie. I mean, we're standing in the light, you know, and, 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 and you can see, you know, the light, the light looks pale blue or it looks, looks yellow. You know, it, it's a dead giveaway. You know, it's, it's like when you blush, you know, it, it is a, a signature giveaway of, of who you are and what you've done and, 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 and what, and, and, and what you're all about. Every one of us 
then comes into this life with with a lot of questions and a lot of probably, you know, um, loss of memory as to why we're here and who we are. And we're forever looking in this lifetime to discover who we are and why we're here. You know, and and there is so much you can explore during the day, but most of us get up and go to work and, you know, we have to feed the kids and we have to mow the lawn and we have to, you know, go go grocery shopping. And there are so many things that in our uh, live, eat, sleep world that kind of deprive us from really exploring in the way, say, the Buddha finally said, I have to leave this life and explore the real important questions of my spiritual nature. You know, most people don't don't do that. Don't have that. Those are like saints, right? It, but 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 in your dreams, in your lucid, vivid dreams, you can leave the body and explore. There is no barrier. You know, the the inner spirit, the energized consciousness that is your inner self, uh, has in it all of the the capability to leave the body effortlessly and go anywhere, anytime. There are no barriers. It is pure energy leaving you. Therefore, there is no constraint. There no, there's no gravity. There's no pulling back. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no time uh, fixation. You know, you can just freely go anywhere, anytime to explore even your past lives or even your future lives. You can go to any exotic place. You could go to any any place you can literally imagine because your inner spirit is pure consciousness, hence pure energy, and, and travels faster, faster than the speed of light. Wanted to read just one sentence illustrating exactly what you just said. And that is um, from page 37, traveling in your dream to the past or future might seem unrealistic, yeah. but there are no physical restrictions such as our fixed space time outside the physical body in an out of body lucid dream. When I read that sentence, it really struck me that, you know, we've talked about the afterlife many times about the spirit world there. Time is linear when we're here, but it, it, you don't have linear time in other dimensions. It's hard to grasp that concept when you are in your waking analytical mind to say, now, what would it be like if there was no time, no linear time? And when I read that sentence, I said to myself, that's it. Because in your dream, things happen that are not linear and don't use the same frame of reference for time that we have in the physical. And so you can you can be on a mountaintop and then take one step and you're at the beach and a second later, you could be in a building and a few seconds later, you could be on a train. It's like you're, there is no time on the, on the other side in dream work. And so there is a perfect example of what other realms are like. 
And so that dream realm, that other place where our minds go, gives us the experience of what it is to not be in linear time. And I thought that was quite fascinating. And instructive, because when you come back to your physical limitations, uh, you then have the, the, uh, the, the understanding to some degree of how limitless our human potential is. When we're in physical form, there are, are limitations. Um, yes. But yes. but 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 yeah. but but in dreams we can explore this and, and acknowledge uh things. You know, people who have prophetic dreams, they they dream dreams that literally come true. Therefore, we know they've gone to the future and seen it. People go back into the past and talk to people, you know, uh, people go to the other side, if you will, and this is hardly a new thing, an old thing. People would go and talk to their dead relatives, for instance, a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would actually uh, diagnose and even in some cases uh, treat their own illness um, in a dream. This is an, an ancient thing uh, that goes all the way back to uh, Aristotle, who said dreams could predict and diagnose sickness. So so th- then then we 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 realize how powerful these lucid dreams are and we say well they're flights of fancy or they're visions and there's quite imaginative and that was fun uh but but what does it mean i mean you have to recognize that that there are many ways to have a lucid dream and you could have a lucid dream lying on your sofa daydreaming where you're in a sense uh, let's say a wide awake dream a waking dream you could you could have this in in a vision. You, it could happen. It could happen to you quite quickly, and you could also program. I think this is interesting for people, like the ancients did. You could actually program and plan to have a lucid dream, so that you, when your your body goes to sleep and your physical mind then is put to rest, your spirit can come out and you can go to a pre-designated place for dreams and 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 with a program in mind and then have recurring dreams in that manner and continuation dreams as well uh vaughn i think this to me this is the point of your book on lucid dreams in in this series is that you say you can be focused intentional and these dreams are programmable and yeah. and in this book, you also give the steps. You follow these steps to program a dream. We think of them as being rather random. And oftentimes they're resolving issues or things that occurred during the day that we are replaying in the overnight. But uh, it, it seems like in this context, that the point of view that you are bringing to people is lucid dreams do not have to be random lucid dreams, as you pointed out for, for millennia can actually be programmed in a way to be useful to you. To really benefit you. And I think that's an important point uh, because a lot of people think that dreams are a gift, you know, and they say, oh, what a wonderful thing that I had that dream. And that's when they happen randomly. 
you know, and it, it is it is odd maybe that most people will have stress dreams, which are just, you know, the memory playing over things, trying to analyze things that you could not properly analyze in a more waking period of, of the day. But but then you would have this this random dream. And this is a case where I would suggest where spirit just comes forward and says, I want to get out and play or I want to get out and explore. You know, yeah, I want to get out and, and find out, you know, where I'm supposed to be. I mean, you have to think of your life as like a journey, right? And it is it is traveling, you know, but most of us, you know, is we travel to the market, you know, we travel to work, you know, you know, we travel to the kids' soccer match, you know, and so forth and so on. It's all, you know, program steps. So we we don't have time to explore and play and learn and grow. But great explorers, every one of us can be, you know, every one of us has the potential then to travel in our dreams. But, but ev with every, with every trip you take, every great journey, you have to plan for that journey. It's like, first of all, where are you going and how are you going to get there? And, um, and, and what do you expect to see? You know, uh, I, I've never gone on a vacation where I didn't have some expectation of what I should bring with me and uh, and what I expected to see. You know, I had a schedule, an agenda, you know. So we're talking about a dream agenda. And I think it's really important to think of, of dreams then as, as an opportunity for our inner self to fully develop and understand who we are and why we're here. Uh, finding questions that we find very difficult in our work, eat, sleep lifetime. It's a good time to take our break. We're okay. talking with Von Brashler about lucid dreaming, which I find and did not anticipate has implications for how we live our lives as sentient beings. There are a lot of pathways and lucid, dream, lucid dreaming may just take us to some of those. I retain a healthy skepticism because I just think that it's good to be a rational person about anything that you allow into your life. But when it comes to lucid dreaming, though I don't have the track record of a Suzanne Mitchell, she's got them to report as much as she chooses, as much or as little as you want to say about that, Suzanne. But uh, I remember one that I'd like to talk about on the other side of our break, and it was remarkable for its clarity. And I'll get into few details of that when we come back. Again, we're talking to Von Brashler. Glad that all of you are tuning in. We hope you find this entertaining and maybe useful to yourselves on some level. Give us a couple of minutes and we will be right back. We are Manson Mitchell and you're tuned in to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. 
Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to an encore presentation of Manson Mitchell. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Von Brashler. We are talking about his uh, most recent work about lucid dreams in a series of ancient wisdoms that are actually on scrolls rather than your normal paperback book. An interesting marketing concept. Uh, Vaughn, if people want to get this one or the past lives or know about anything that you've written or done or, or, you know, any appearances you might have, website, social media, this is now the time to let our listeners know how they can get that information and reach you. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, you can go on Amazon.com. They're all there. And uh, Barnes & Noble online. They're all there. And bookstores, of course. Um from Barnes and Noble in your local bookstore. If if you uh, if, there, if there's something you you want, I've written on time travel and dreams and and and, and energy healing quite a bit. If you know if there's just something you're looking for that I might have uh, written on, you you can always request it. You know they'll they'll be happy to get it for you. My 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 current publisher is Schiffer in Pennsylvania, and I'm writing on the Red Feather line. And it was the editorial director of uh, Red Feather, Chris McClure, who came up actually with the idea that we should do something in the way of scrolls. And I was thinking of the time of, of doing little booklets. It would be quicker reads. You know, I, I wanted to just really have snappy, shorter reads, but but contain as much information as any book. And 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 he said, by golly, he said, we're going to do scrolls. And I said, I was shocked because, you know, we ended up doing them. And as you mentioned, they're, they're wood and they're pine. You could smell the pine and, and, and there's, and there's, there's twine in it involved. And, um, and there's a, a scroll for the left hand and a scroll in the right hand. And you just keep pushing the paper from one scroll to the other. It's quite easy. And the books read left to right. And there's a, a little page marker. You can stop anywhere in the middle. And uh, they are they are shorter than books. They're condensed books. So we, we I've written eight of these in the series. So that uh, the next two will come out next year. And we were originally going to do like, uh, well, uh, I guess the next in the series, 
we're going to be on uh, magical systems uh, and energy healing. And and, and uh, I decided we're going to release some that I've written more recently. I'm going to do one on elementals and nature spirits and one on amulets, talismans, and charms. Because uh, I have a book coming up uh, in, a, in about a year that will be in more detail on lucid dreaming. I, I'm really keen on lucid dreaming because I think that people need to actually get behind their dreams and focus their dreams. You need to actually work your dreams, hence the term dream work. And I, I think that uh, dreams are so important for self-discovery. And we've known this, the ancients have known this for at least 5,000 years that we can document. You know, serious people like Cicero and Hippocrates and, and you know, and you have the Epic of Gilgamesh, you know, um, very serious about dream work and learning in our dreams that we, that we could dream, we could mine our dreams for tree, for divine revelation, for prophecy, uh, healing windows to the soul is what they really are. And now you see our, our, our lucid dreams have been studied by psychologists and medical science. And, and, um, and that backs up many centuries where they were used by kings and visionary leaders. And the sum total of all that wisdom and all that research and all that experimentation and all that hope and all that faith is ultimately, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is, everybody. Wow. I'll bet that's a hieroglyph on an Egyptian pyramid. It is what it is. That's where it started. Also, you put me in mind, Vaughn, of a Broadway smash hit and is played elsewhere off Broadway. And that is, to speak of Ancient of Days, what about Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? It was called that for a reason. Absolutely. You know, because, because uh, uh, you know, the, the early Jews and even the early Christians believed very much in the power of dreaming. So you have uh, uh, Joseph's dreams. Uh, you have the uh, the Tower of Babel was a dream, you know. Um these are really important uh, dreams in, 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 we, and we see in many religious traditions how they would develop. Uh, Jacob's ladder was a significant, significant dream. Um, so um, at, at some point now, it must be said, the Protestant reform and the Catholic Inquisition uh, began to see dreams differently. And they said that, well, you know, the dreams come from evil spirits. Uh, the devil himself, you know, the prince of darkness. And, uh, and then the, res the Renaissance rescued dreams for Christianity. And, uh, and then we, they, we back, went back to references to traditional biblical stories. And, and, and one of those, of course, was jo Joseph's dream. Um, we have a lot of religious art that depicts dreams. And then, and then coming forward, we see, we see, um, a lot of a lot of uh, painters like Gauguin uh, describing and paintings dream and dream work. Uh, uh, there all of the paintings of Goya and Rousseau, even Picasso, Salvador Dali, an incredible uh, amount of dream work, uh, speculating where the spirit of the dreamer goes in the sleeping state, the significance of what the dreamer experience. Uh, and, 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 and the many things you can explore in this altered state of being. 
in the, the altered state of being just of going to sleep at night, I never know which dreams are going to show up. And I remember relatively few of them. I have to admit that I don't keep a dream journal. It would be a good idea if I did. Suzanne has done some good work yeah. with that. The lucid dream that I recall most vividly involved my father who passed away in 1984. And within the last, I'm going to say, well, within the last 12 years, I can remember a dream one night where he came to me and we were walking together. We were out in some urban environment and we were just getting the lay of the land. And I turned to my dad because it's as if he was right there with me in the flesh again. Mm -hmm. And I recall saying to my dad in my dream, hey, dad, you're really pulling off a good one here. Do you realize most people think you're dead? And here you are, you, you are with me right here. You've got them fooled. Yeah. Because he was that present for me. Now, that's been interpreted in a few different ways, of course, yeah. Yeah. there. But the fact is, I can say I've had a lucid dream, which is very uncommon for me, uh, more common with Suzanne. But when I when my dad was with me, more than anybody else I can recall, there was a sense of his immediate presence that turned that into the kind of vivid dream that you can't help but remember, because there was a sense of the old empathy, the old affection, the old love between us as a present reality. And then I wake up and I go back to normal life. Yeah, you know, and, and, and thanks for sharing that, Gary, because I think this is a, a fairly typical uh, lucid dream that people have. And it'll often happen within maybe three days of someone's passing, someone very close to you, that they'll come to you and they'll say something. You know, and, and what they say is, What's, I think what's important to note is they usually will say and, and reveal something when they speak to you in this dream that is not in your memory bank of something that happened before, that it's, it's a totally new experience. You know, uh, I, I, I had this same experience when, when my father died and uh, he, uh, he suddenly appeared to me and he walked into the room. And he put his his hand on 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 the uh, uh, the you know the the door, and he said, "Hey, you doing, kid?" And he didn't usually call me kid. And I thought, "Well, he's in a funny mood." I said, "Wait a minute." I said, "You're dead." And he said, "Yeah, we really we really tricked you, didn't we, kid?" <laughs> and I said, "Come on, I know you're dead." I said, "How are you doing?" He said, "You know what?" You were dreaming. You dreamed that I did, was dead. I didn't die. And I got and like, what? Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming now? Was I dreaming then? And then he, a big smile came across his face and he said, gotcha, kiddo. And he disappeared. Now, my dad mm. did not have this sense of humor. This is yeah. nothing in my memory. This is totally a new experience. Now, the the skeptics in the world will say, this is a wish fulfillment dream that is sure. detailed extensively in the work of Sigmund Freud. And that's an opportunity for your subconscious mind during your sleep state to take you to a place where you, where you would rather be but can't access in the body, in your waking physical life. And so our subconscious will drive our dreams in order to fulfill our wishes. That's really all it is. Yeah, you hear that. And, and in some cases, this may be actually true. But I would suggest to you that sometimes people go go in their dreams somewhere and they learn things and experience things 
that they would not have known before that their subconscious mind would have not had prior knowledge of and they and they bring that forward with them so that as as young later said after 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 sigmund freud our dreams uh are revelations and they should be taken seriously my more hopeful side is with carl jung that's for sure yeah suzanne you've had success with them i think many times as we've talked about this i think that you go into the sleep state with the idea that your dreams are going to bring you that revelation you're attuned to them and i think that you take this optimistic look of what you might discover while you're dreaming since you have to be dreaming anyway because you have to be sleeping in order to not go psychotic <laughs> that goes for everybody i'm not aiming this at suzanne you know the fact is if we didn't get sleep we turned psychotic uh, got, got a dream got to sleep uh you know what i'm gonna jump to a whole other thing based on what you just said and that was that when i was young and i've, I've been fascinated about dreams um since i was a very young person initially all of my dreams were nightmares when I yeah. was a, a toddler and I would wake up screaming most nights and run into my parents' room. And so as I became older, preteen, teenager, I was still very, very interested <laughs> in dreams and in the process of sleep. And why do we need to sleep? I, I preferred not going to sleep because I didn't want to have any more bad dreams. Yeah. But but I asked myself the question repeatedly, why do human beings need to sleep? The answer that was always given at that time was that we would go crazy. We would go psychotic if we were unable to sleep. And hence, this is a torture given in in war where people are not allowed to sleep yeah. interestingly enough von i felt like my question got answered for the first time when i read your book on lucid dreams and it didn't have to do with going psychotic yeah. i i had a different interpretation of all of that a different answer to the question about why do we need to sleep and it came way 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 at the end of the book where we we uh, the the idea that our bodies could go on and on and on and on but we have to let our mind rest this was what i figured out for me and i'd like to get your take on this but in my opinion, the reason that we have to sleep doesn't have to do with resting the mind and, and preventing ourselves from going crazy. I think that it has to do with the fact that in the two halves of our brain, we have our analytical side and our intuitive side. And most of the day for most people, they are using their analytical side during the waking hours. And I think that there is a, a tremendous imbalance if we don't use the right side of our brains. 
And so during the dream state, it is all right side of the brain. When our bodies disconnect, when our minds disconnect from our physical beings, we can't, I mean, some people do act out their dreams to great detriment, but when your body is quiet and still, but your mind is very active during that period of time when your body is still, I think it's developing your intuitive side and the right side of your mind, which we commonly think of as preventing us from going crazy. But I, I just think all day long, we're, the grocery list, the shopping, the errands, the laundry, I, I got to do this, I got to get to work, oh, I'm going to be late. All that stuff is going on on the left side, the analytical side. We're constantly, constantly analyzing. I think we need to sleep to actually rest the body and to develop the right side of the brain. Now, what do you think of my theory? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I think we are of two minds. I think we have, let's say, the physical mind or the lower mind. I'm not going to use um, terms in psychology here. I'm going to lean more on Eastern spiritual science and talk about the the inner mind, the higher mind. So there's the the outer you, your what you see outside you. And this includes your your physical presence. It includes your body. It includes your physical brain. Then there's the inner you, the parts that are not so obvious. This is this is the part that's non physical, and and then in this then includes a mind as well, which we would then call our higher or inner consciousness. So if you want to call right brain, left brain, that kind of corresponds to how we like to measure everything and weigh everything in our uh, in our um, in our world, uh, physical world. But I think that it it is so important that the body is allowed to rest. So this other mind, this other side of you can can get out and explore because it longs to be free it longs to go out there. It, it is cooped up. It is caged inside you. And and you can only do this when the body is totally at rest and you're yeah. not fidget, fidgeting and tossing and turning and having these, these prolonged um, agonizing um, nights where you try to analyze and, and, and resolve questions that have vexed you during your more waking uh, day hours. Uh, and in and, and short, you must also tune out this other part of your mind, your physical mind, your brain mind, this part of you that analyzes and stores information, these great memory banks trying to compute things that just don't add up for you. And not to your satisfaction, at least, and it, it it bothers you, and and so so many of us have these. Uh, I call it the um, the the, um, the calculator that keeps grinding away and grinding away and grinding away. I had a calculator like that. I at one time was in a bank building in Alaska where I started a newspaper, and the and the Clinkett Haida Indians. It rented me what used to be the Bank of Petersburg. And, and I said, well, I'll be in this corner of it. <laughs> and I was. And they were very wonderful landlords. But along with that came the, an old bank calculator. 
and I, I plugged it in one day and then I went swimming and in the middle of swimming I heard all these these noisy uh, fire trucks running down the road and it was because that calculator kept grinding away at something that it could not resolve it, oh, and and, wow. and, it, and it, it caught fire you know wow and this poor plastic calculator caused a terrible smoke fire and i think that that is the way our physical mind is is this 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 side of us that tries to resolve these questions and really can't so what i always tell people is you need to put the body completely at rest including the physical mind your outer mind this side of your 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 mind that is is storing information and analyzing things it is very good in what it does but it cannot take you where you need to go in a lucid dream it cannot and and then and then when you have a lucid dream it is important to come back and just not stir or get up right away don't open your eyes and spring out of bed because you need to go into a, a, a another altered state of consciousness where you kind of your 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 i call it a reflect reflective moment where you're just kind of taking in the dream and you're not analyzing it, you're just taking it in because this is the way the inner mind works it just is creative it just takes it and kind of bounces it in the air like like balls that it's juggling and it tries to make some sense of it and um this is the time uh uh between uh, wakefulness and, and 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 dreaming, where the analytical mind and the inner consciousness are kind of like the veil is kind of lifted and they're kind of like exchanging data, and just let it happen, just let just sit there quietly, let it happen, absorb it. I call this internalizing the message. Then, when you feel like you've you've grasped the dream, then you can get up. And then you can write it in your dream, dream diary, and you can begin to intellectually, with your outer mind, analyze the dream as best you can. But you have to recognize that your the phys, physical aspect of your brain, this side of your mental capacity, was not present during the dream. It only got a handoff when you came back and you quietly reflected on it. And you exchange information from your inner mind to your outer mind or your left brain to your right brain, if you will. I'm, I did have a dream one time that was so disagreeable to me because I seemed to be intensively engaged in interpersonal conflict with people that I didn't like. People yeah. that I know in my yeah. waking life, but I don't like them very much and the vice versa. And it was so disagreeable that I interrupted the dream. I act like a movie director. Cut. That's it. No. Okay. We're not going to do that that way. Let's everybody take five. Yeah. And, and I woke up from that. I'm glad I did because it yeah. was just painful to be yeah. talking and arguing with people who weren't there to benefit me in any way. It's like they were venting and I wasn't in the mood for it. So I stopped it. You bring up two very important points, I think, Gary. One is that you were conscious of the dream because therefore it was a lucid dream. And two, you had you had uh, you were active in the dream. You were in control of the dream. Not only did you recognize that it was a dream, but you 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 were able to end it and and, and, and direct it. You know, and I think a lot of people when they begin to to have a lucid dreaming experience, 
they just kind of fall into it. You know, I think a lot of people you might talk to, and they begin to talk about dreams that were, you know, way out there. They're going to talk about going to an upper room. It's a very common experience. You go to the upper room and you and you go to this room. And very often it's it's very white and everyone's wearing white. And the room is white and, and, and all around there are doors and they're white. And you go in the middle of the room and you, you all sit in a circle. Maybe you squat in a circle and you sit there on, your, on the floor with your legs folded. And someone comes out of one of the doors and he's dressed in white. And he comes into the middle of the circle and he begins to talk to you. And everyone hears something differently. It's as though you're all hearing something and it all touches you in a different way. It's often called the upper room, you know? So, I mean, we have a lot of these common stories of people that have explored, you know, in this way, they've, they've, actually, they've actually left the body in dreams of exploration like this. And these are, 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 are deeply significant and meaningful dreams because they're impactful and they're filled with personal insight. And, and they're insight for you so that this is not the kind of dream where you could look in a dream dictionary and say, oh, I, I dreamed of a cigar and I can tell you exactly what it meant. No, no, you can't. Because, I mean, it, it, it depends on, on you. I mean, these are very, very personal dreams of insight. I like Thank how you for you, that, by the way. Yes, I like the way you call it the outer self and the inner self. And um, you, you say in dreams, the inner self awakens. Yes. You said, you said earlier, the inner yes. self is kind of, uh, you know, trapped during the daytime because the outer self is the one that is um, operating. Right. And, and, and so in dreams, the inner self awakens. Exactly. And so, and, and so that's why we need to sleep. That's why we need to sleep because that's when you, why we need to sleep when, when you sleep and have these 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 meaningful impactful uh, uh, lucid dreams only then when the body's asleep do you truly become alive that is to say yeah. your inner self then awakens time for us to say goodbye Vaughn we're going to wake up to another reality and that is that <laughs> we must leave however you're welcome on our show anytime we enjoy speaking with you very much Thank you. All right. And this afternoon on American Road Trip Talk at 1 o'clock Pacific, who have you got on? We've got a lady named Stephanie Hatch, and she operates a museum dedicated to vintage aeroplanes and automobiles. It's in Hood River, Oregon. Excellent. Nice road trip. So join us at 1 o'clock for that. And tomorrow, again at 10 o'clock, we'll do this again. We hope this is the start of a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy. Enjoy.